Kay Elmire has a heart for Jehovah's Witnesses. She has a heart for the law, and she has a heart for the family. She knows how that people hurt who have Jehovah's Witnesses who are family members, and you just don't seem to be able to make any inroads on these folks. So she appreciates that. She understands that. She's been in this ministry for many years. Her ministry, Family Shield, covers the United States, actually 52 radio stations. Lord, please be with her as she speaks. We would pray, Father, that you give her the words that she needs to say, to encourage, to edify, to lift up those who are hurting, and to be able to furnish a way for those who are in darkness to come out. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I guess I need to find out how many of you have loved ones or close friends that are in the Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay, so pretty many. Uh, I witnessed to a Jehovah's Witness pioneer for the first time in 1981. Uh, that encounter turned my life upside down and uh, helped me realize that I had to be in God's word to be able to defend my faith against corruption. So it's not just knowing Christ, it's discipleship, which Julie mentioned, growing and knowing what God has to say. Today, I'm still involved with that family. Many are still Jehovah's Witnesses, but my good friend who wanted to be here, her daughter, ex-husband, are part of that family. And over the years, she has early on, she came to know Christ and has grown into a shining light for Jesus Christ. It's awesome to see her continue to share her faith with so many people. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the ways that we help family members and friends reach their families for Christ that are specifically our Jehovah's Witnesses. It is difficult. Each person is different. And so we don't do this necessarily in group settings. We do this on a one-to-one -one basis. Uh, mainly through our ministry, we're trying to get help them find good resources. We give away some tracks. We have lots of resources uh, that we produce and purchase. Uh, we have things on our website. We visit with them in person, by phone, uh, and we encourage them. And we will stay in contact with them as long as we can, but many times we lose track because Often they're hearing about our ministry through our radio program. They may contact us once, they, they may not. As I thought about it, I thought, well, what are some key things that I could talk about? First of all, prayer. When we meet or talk with people, we encourage them to pray and pray some more and find some committed people to pray with them because prayer is powerful and God answers prayer. And we in the church don't understand the power of prayer. You know, when two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst, Jesus is with us. I, I was reminded of an ex-witness. He always tells the story of his aunt. His mom became a Jehovah's Witness when he was around five, and he grew up as a witness. When he became a young man, he actually had the opportunity to go to Brooklyn, New York, and be at the headquarters. There he began to see some things he didn't like and met his wife and eventually they left. He was only about 20 when he left, he was young. Christians from all over the country helped him because when they, obviously when a Jehovah's Witness leaves, 
as many of you have talked about, the disfellowshipping might happen or the family members may stop talking to them and if they're depending on them for financial support, which Jeff was, it can be very difficult. He talks about Christians from around the country that sent him money to help him through that. He became a college professor, teaches chemistry today. Wonderful Christian man. But he tells me the story of his Aunt Meg, and I wanted to just give it as an example of prayer. Aunt Meg was very upset when her sister became a Jehovah's Witness when he was five. And she knew that there wasn't a lot she could do. They didn't even live close, but she could pray. So she invited some people from her church to pray every week together, specifically for Jeff and his family. She always prayed that someday her sister or her son or that family would come out of the Watchtower Society and be a Christian and do great things for God. Jeff did come out of the Watchtower Society. That aunt had prayed on a weekly basis for her nephew for well over 15, probably closer to 18 years. So prayer isn't just let's do it once, that's enough. It's a constant believing that God can make a difference. And so I encourage families to pray and not to say, oh well, let's just pray once. Uh, pray sincerely. What do we want to pray for? That the blindness will be removed from their eyes and that they would see who Christ is. We want to pray that we would have a good relationship with them. And there's just so many things, and God's word is full of words of wisdom about prayer. I want to tell you about Vicki. Vicki connected with us when I did a, a, a seminar for uh, Mission U. Vicki was the Christian mom whose daughter had become a Jehovah's Witness. And Vicki was angry and upset with her daughter. She had been telling her, you're in a cult and you gotta stop, and, and she was just angry. And it wasn't helping at all. So we worked with her, we encouraged her, and encouragement is one of the things we need to do with each and all of us. But we encouraged Vicki in her faith journey because although she was a Christian, she was just angry and not focusing on what she could do for the Lord to be a shining light for her daughter. And it was amazing. I interviewed her a couple times. It was not the same person a few months later that we were visiting with. Vicki is today always glorifying Christ and uh, working in the kingdom, not because she thinks she has to, but because she knows it's a good thing. Her daughter eventually did stop studying with the Jehovah's Witnesses. She's not really an active Christian yet, but, the, but it's a process. So we find a lot of times that our ministry is not just reaching the Jehovah's Witnesses, but it's helping the Christians learn how to respond in a loving, Christ-centered way with their loved ones. We have to keep the communication lines open with family members. When I'm talking to family members or loved ones, I will let them know, and you all know that, if you push really hard, that family member may stop talking to you. I don't have one of my countercult ministry booklets here, but on the back of it, I have a story of a lady that called us after a radio program. Her son had become a Jehovah's Witness, and he wanted her to become a Jehovah's Witness. So he pressured her. And she said, no. And so he said, well, if you don't, then you're not going to get to see us at all, our three children and 
my wife or me. And when I talked to her on the phone, she was crying because this broke her heart that she couldn't see her own grandchildren. And you that are Jehovah's Witnesses know that they will totally cut their family members off. So I encourage family members to keep the communication lines open. Sometimes that might mean backing off and just praying more, praying that someone else will come into their life. But also to always be ready. You have to become equipped to understand their teachings and what Christians believe, because when God opens that door, you need to be ready to share your faith. So don't go ahead of the Holy Spirit. He will guide you in how you can share your faith in a loving, Christ-centered way. Since I've been here, I heard two ex-witnesses say that people had guns at the door. We have to be loving and Christ-centered. If we're too busy to visit with them or talk to them, or if we don't feel equipped to talk to them, it's okay to say I'm too busy. And, and by the way, in our training, we encourage people to witness. But I want to make sure you're grounded in the word the Jehovah's Witnesses teach a false Christ and a false gospel. They don't know that. They don't know that their organization is teaching them wrong. They're very sincere. Some of you may have come from families that had challenges. Well, guess what? I work with family members of all kinds of issues. And although we love to say there's that perfect family, in this world, there is no perfect family. We're all sinners in need of salvation, yes. But guess what? Even after we know Christ, we're still not perfect, and we're sinners, and we need to just remember that's why we need Jesus, because he suffered and died for our sins. I have a whole list of mainstream religious cult issues. What is a cult? You know, somebody said, I didn't know I was in a cult. They deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They make him less than he really is. But one of the things that I also talk a lot about is the fact that Jesus was true God and true man at the same time. I have better discussions talking about the humanity of Christ sometimes with Jehovah's Witnesses than the deity because the Watchtower Society teaches them how to put you on the defensive when you talk about the fact that Jesus is true God. But they don't seem to ever talk about the humanity of Christ. And that we could talk about that as his dual nature. He's totally true God and totally true man. And there's verses and the Watchtower Society does this. The verses that uphold his humanity are the verses that they use to say, see, he prayed, he can't be God. They use the verses about his humanity to try to tear down his deity, his being God. When I go in to talk to Jehovah's Witnesses, I want to make them think. I want them to ask me questions, not canned questions that they are taught, because they're taught what questions to ask you to lead you to this place where you're going to say this. So mainstream religious cults deny the deity of Christ. They have an authority head with the Jehovah's Witnesses. It's the Watchtower organization. That is what they're trusting in, the organization, not Jesus Christ. They always say, faith, yes, but then they'll say, but you have to do a lot of good work. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 
memorize it. Eternal life is a free gift, not a result of our good works. We need to always talk to Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons about the fact that we're saved by faith alone. Now, if you keep reading, Ephesians 2.10 says, and God has prepared works for you to do. But do we have to do those works to be saved? No, we're already saved. We do those works because we love God. And these are the kind of things we can talk to our loved ones about when God opens the door. Don't push the door down. Don't go ahead of the Holy Spirit. Pray for them, encourage them, build a good relationship with them. It might take years before either they ask you a question or something opens up. Every family member is different. Some of them want to be bold and, and will be bold. And, and then uh, uh, mainstream religious cults offer secret knowledge and proclaim they are the only true religion. Mormons also say that. Um, I really like the track about Whom Can You Trust? It's a personal freedom outreach track, uh, which talks about the prophecies. The Watchtower Society has called itself a prophet of God. And you know what God says about prophets. Uh, Jesus himself said, beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. And then in Deuteronomy, God defines a prophet, and he says... A, a true prophet of God will be 100% correct. I wanted to just talk a little bit about the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society's teachings versus the body of Christ. You need to be aware of terminology difficulties. People will say, well, they talk about Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. They don't believe pretty much in anything Christians believe but they use the same terms. I usually use an example, but I'm remembering a time I went for about a year into Kathy and Terry's home, and they would always ask me if I wanted a cup of coffee. But in the terminology difficulties, if I said, yeah, I'd like a cup of coffee, they would set a cookie in front of me, and I would say, wait a minute, I asked for a cup of coffee, that's a cookie, and they would say, no, that's a cup of coffee. It's totally different, and uh, we can go down the list, but we need to be aware of that. We need to define terms when we're talking to loved ones, because you think they're talking about eternal life, and they're talking about their beliefs versus ours. No one has mentioned their Bible, the New World Translation, and there, again, Personal Freedom Outreach has a great track back there. Uh, the men who translated it had no proper credentials or qualifications. I like to talk about how to learn how to use a setup tactic with Jehovah's Witnesses. If we looked up John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you, when you're talking to them, can get them to agree to uh, the false teaching. So in their translation... And I've got an old translation, but the way mine reads is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. As you talk to them, take enough time to visit about that verse and get them to say, so you're saying uh, there's a big God and a little God. Jehovah is the big God. Jesus is a God, a small God. And, and uh, although they don't like to say Jesus is God at all, you can probably get them to agree to that. After they agree... Then say, well, let's look at Isaiah 43, 10 and 11 and compare it to what you just 
agreed to, that there's a big God and a little God. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, in order that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God farmed, and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. So this verse in the Old Testament talks about the fact that there's only one God, no God farmed before me, no God farmed after me, and it just helps them see when I say the setup tactic, I'm not being mean, but if you help, if you, if you get them to admit to one of their false teachings and then show them something that contradicts it, it can help them begin to think. Their false gospel, we talked about them having a false Christ and a false gospel. And I would say that is what they proclaim at the door more than anything else. The 144,000 in the heavenly kingdom and the rest on paradise earth. I think that's a good case for their false gospel. Um, and it's important, again, if we're going to understand that they teach a false Christ and a false gospel, that we know what that is. Beliefs about Jesus versus the truth about Jesus. We've already talked about the deity of Christ. Uh, lots of Bible verses, and I already read John 1.1. 1, 1. Colossians 1, 15 to 16. Um, and he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. All things have been created by him and for him. And he was before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the architect. Colossians 1, 15 to 16. And then Colossians 2, 9. For in him, Jesus... All the deity of all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. In Hebrews 1, 6 to 10, we're just talking about some verses related to Jesus being God. I already talked a little bit about him also being true man. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels he said, who makes his angels wings and his ministers a flame of fire? But of the sun, he said, now listen to that. Isn't that great? I had a Jehovah's Witness come up my walk one day, and I just opened the Bible up to Hebrews. There's a hundred different ways you can share Christ, and read Hebrews. But of the sun, he says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom, from Hebrews 1, 6 and 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning didst laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hand. So again, just verses related to the deity of Jesus Christ. And again, Personal Freedom Outreach, we have it on our um, exhibit, and Personal Freedom, Out, um, Personal Freedom Outreach produces them, has the new deity of Christ booklet. Hundreds of verses to help people understand who Jesus is. Uh, they believe in three separate existences of Jesus. Before his birth, he was a created being called Michael the Archangel. On earth, he was only a man. And after the resurrection, he was a spirit person again, also called Michael. Someone already shared the rebuttal that I always use, Jude 9 and Matthew 4, 9, so I'm not going to 
go back through that. But it's important to know those things as you witness. And then, of course, belief about Jesus, prayer to Jesus um, versus the truth. Uh, John 14, 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Who's speaking there? Jesus. Uh, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He will answer our prayers. And uh, John 5, 22 to 23, And just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to those he wishes. For not even the Father judges any... I love this. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son in order that all may honor the Son as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. Just think of it. Those people that say Jesus isn't God, how can a human being judge us? Jesus is the judge, according to God's word. He will judge us. He is true God, along with the Father, the only one of the Trinity that's uh, true God and true man. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our encourager, our teacher. Do you know Jehovah's Witnesses are told that the Holy Spirit can't teach them? Well, wait, well, wait a minute. But the Holy Spirit teaches us. He helps us understand things. Can't you just read it and understand? No, I can't do that. They don't believe the Holy Spirit is a person, and they certainly don't believe that he can help them understand Scripture. Well, I need to go back to the people at, at the Watchtower Society and see what they say or see what the books say. So that's kind of a sad, sad thing. And uh, one more thing on prayer. Oh, I like this one too. Acts 7:59. Stephen gazed into heaven. Now, if you pray to Jesus, they don't pray. Jehovah's Witnesses believe you can't pray to Jesus. You pray in his name, but you can't pray to Jesus because he isn't God. We say he is. Stephen gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called upon the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He was dying. When we die, our soul goes to be with the Lord. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. He died. But he went to be with Jesus. That's a prayer. We call that an arrow prayer. We don't have time to say a whole long prayer. We just say, Lord, help me. We can pray to Jesus because he is God. I want to make sure we have time to pray. I saw a lot of people that raised their hands that have loved ones. So all of you, I'm not asking you to pray. I'm going to ask someone else to pray for you. All of you that have a family member or friend that's a Jehovah's Witness, just raise your hand right now. And now, I keep your hand up. I want someone else that's a Christian that would be comfortable praying with that person to go over to someone that has their hand up, and then others that don't have their hand up can just join. What I'd like is you to take a couple minutes to talk to the person that's there to pray with you to tell them who it is you want to pray for, what's their name, who they are, tell them who, their name, it's my father, just take a few minutes to pray. So keep, keep that person in prayer. Appreciate that. Uh, just a couple more things. Uh, as you talk 
with your loved ones. And again, I'm trying to share some things that they believe and teach. You don't need to go and talk to them right away. You want to encourage, love, build that great relationship with them. But when God opens that door, you do need to be prepared. And because this is so complicated, it takes time to learn. So get some good resources and, uh, and grow in your faith. When you're talking to a Jehovah's Witness, agree on a subject to discuss and continue to go back to it when they get off the subject, because they will. Well, they're taught, by the way, to jump to a different topic when you ask them something they don't have an answer to. But good leaders learn how to ask good questions. And good questions lead the conversation. But uh, we need to learn how to ask good questions to lead the conversation so that we get to say what we feel is important. So be aware that they do change subjects frequently. Be aware that they pull verses out of the context, and we need to put them back in. We don't make a teaching with one verse or one Bible verse. You know, we should be able to cross-reference several verses on each topic. Learn to give them specially prepared tracts and literature when they're ready. I remember a story of a Jehovah's Witness Spanish a translator that was asked some years ago to translate the New World Translation from Spanish into English. And even though we don't recognize the New World Translation as a great translation, it still helped him come to know Christ just by doing that. One of the other things you can say at any time, and you need to learn just to say little nuggets, by the way, you do not want to talk about all this at once. You learn to wrap these discussions into little bites and make them think about one thing and then go on to something else. But one thing you can say is, I'm going to heaven and so can you. I'm not going to heaven just for heaven's sake. I'm going to heaven because I have faith in Jesus Christ. I know he's paid for all of my sins. He suffered for me. You know, use yourself as an example because it's very hard to get Jehovah's Witnesses to talk about their sin. It's really easy to get them to say, look what you're doing and you're doing and you're doing. But when I'm talking to Jehovah's Witnesses, it, we have to help them understand they're sinners in need of a savior. And I always use myself as an example. You know, and I'll, I'll share something that I've done that's wrong. And I'll say, and I had to ask the Lord to forgive me. None of us are perfect. None of us make the mark. And to understand what Jesus has done for us, we need to understand our sin and why we need Jesus. So um, let them know I'm going to heaven because of my faith in Christ, and you can too. Let them know you have confidence in that faith. And share your personal testimony. They can't argue with a personal testimony. How he helped me, me and my husband when we lost our two sons. He, it can be when, how he helped me when I went through a, a car accident. And then relate your faith to your life. Without Christ, I couldn't have gotten through what I went through. And, and let them know those are really important things to share. And certainly share the love of Christ and the gospel with them. 
You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.